Dear Lord, uh, thanks for this day. Thanks that we can be here together in this place to worship you. Um, yeah, thanks for your presence among us and with us and through us. And that you are at work in the world. Um, yeah, to share the good news of your kingdom. Yeah, be with this sermon today and I pray you speak, speak through it. Amen. Yeah, so it's so good to worship with you all this morning. Um, and for my sermon today, uh, I want to ask three questions. The first is, in light of the transfiguration, who is this God we serve? And the second is, in light of the transfiguration, who's with us? Who are we with? And the third, again, in light of the transfiguration, what does it mean to be Christian? So the first is, who is this God we serve? Remember the story we read today about Moses who goes up and talks to God on the mountaintop. And he talks with God and he receives the law, the Ten Commandments. And here's about how every seven years they're supposed to forgive the debts of their fellow country, country people. And every seven years they're supposed to free the slaves. And as Moses is talking with God, his face is changed. And when he comes back down the mountain, it's glowing. I think that glowing has something to do with joy. And then we have the story in the Gospel of Luke. This story comes immediately after Peter has acknowledged that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One, come to save Israel. He gets it right. But then Jesus goes on to explain the meaning of this, that he would be rejected and would have to die at the hands of the religious leaders and Roman authorities, that Christ's glory had something to do with his death. And then Luke goes on to say that eight days later, funny that he says about eight days, the other two, uh, Matthew and Mark, say six days. But Luke says eight, which is also the early Christian symbol of resurrection, and the reason we worship on Saturday, on Sunday instead of Saturday. So Jesus takes Peter, James, and John eight days later, and they go up on a mountain to pray. And as Jesus prays, he becomes as bright as a flash of lightning, and the appearance of his face changes. I, I don't know what that means, if, if he looked like a different person, or if, like Moses, he was glowing. And then two men join them, who are identified as Moses and Elijah. And again, that's a strange point. Did Peter and James and John, did they, did they recognize them? Did they look like they did in the pictures? Or did they introduce themselves? We don't know. But they say they have a conversation with Jesus about his departure. And the Greek uses that same word, exodus. And his departure has got to refer to his coming death and resurrection in Jerusalem and later ascension. So Peter and James and John, they were very sleepy and they almost missed the whole thing. But they stay awake and they saw his glory. Peter was so excited by the moment that he wanted to keep it around. Uh, let, let's, uh, maybe we can build three, three houses and, and we can all stay here. He didn't know what he was saying. And then the cloud comes. And the voice. This is my son. My chosen. Listen to him. The glory of God reminds the disciples that 
though they still do not understand that Jesus does indeed need to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Who is this God we serve, who being among us in a human body is also glowing like the sun? Who in the midst of facing suffering and persecution is caught up in glory? Whose face changed in prayer, perhaps the way Moses' face was changed? That brings us to this, the second question, who is with us? Day to day, we go to work or school, and who are we surrounded by? What does it mean that Moses and Elijah appear on a mountainside with Jesus in prayer? And as we sit here today in St. John's, who's, who's with us? Whose witness is present with us? As I was thinking about this question, I think first of some of the saints of this church. Um, we've kind of dealt with death here this last year. Think of Terry and Phyllis and their witness. They're present with us. And we've, we've faced death in many ways this year. As I've been thinking about that, this week alone has been challenging as we face a war in Ukraine that could implicate us all. We face the constant risk and restrictions of the COVID pandemic. Do we go to a restaurant with our friends? Or do we go to work? Are we able to visit our elderly relative? There's so much risk. We also live with the increasing threat of climate change with fires in the West and more intense, unpredictable storms here in New Haven. And earlier this year, I went down to Sandy Point Bird Sanctuary um, and saw that waves had started to erode the sidewalk by the road. But we can see the results of riding, rising seas right here. So we're faced with many apocalypses, but also surrounded with this cloud of witnesses. So in light of this transfiguration, I want to talk about some bad and some good news. First, the bad. We, we are all going to die. And that's not a surprise. We knew that coming in. But it's easy to be so afraid of these many apocalypses that even when we realize, like Peter, that Jesus is the Messiah, we think, yes, Lord, we want you to fix the world, save us from oppression, take away all the suffering and struggle. Peter would have wanted Jesus to restore Israel to its glory, say, restore our country to glory, but don't talk about the cross. Don't talk about dying, because we have the answer right. We have it together, we shouldn't have to deal with trouble. But if we manage that, to turn away from the apocalypse as it comes in our own lives, if we can avert our eyes. So many still, as the Apostle Paul said, must face death daily. I think of the homeless who live in Tent City here in New Haven on a floodplain behind the soccer field on L.F. Grasso Boulevard. The community organized by the local Catholic worker movement, um, Amistad House. It's still technically illegal in New Haven, but he's been able to get a stay during the COVID pandemic, appealing to the UN Human Rights Declaration that all public lands should be available for those without houses to sleep. I think of the essential workers who kept society functioning while those who could afford to could isolate and protect their health. 
think of refugees from Afghanistan who had to flee the Taliban. And I think of the Botanical Garden of Healing that many of us have gone to volunteer at. And the names on the bricks of those killed by gun violence right here in New Haven. And the family members mourning their loss. Our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So again, as we are here in this church and take part in the Eucharist, who is with us? Who are we with? And I praise God that I see in this church that we're gathering together in our small groups to reflect on Jesus' teachings in the Sermon on the Mount that are so relevant to these issues. And praying about ways that we can be present with the work of God in the world. And if you want to join one of these small groups, yeah, you could talk to anyone in this church or Drew Collins. Uh, just here in the front. So finally, we come to the good news and the third question. Of in light of this transfiguration on the road to Jerusalem, what does it mean to be Christian? I love this quote from a Wendell Berry poem that says, Laugh, though you have considered all the facts. Friends, the Christian faith is made for just these sort of challenges. But on the way to the cross, Jesus steps aside with his closest friends to pray on a mountainside. And his face changes, and his clothes are like a flash of lightning, and the resurrected saints stand with him, that God is present with us. We live in a transfigured reality. And that when the time is right, we might see it, and perhaps for a time it will make us like the disciples to keep it to ourselves, and at that time tell no one what we see. Let me tell you about one moment that kept me silent for a time, um, but that I want to talk about. This was right when I graduated from college. I was living in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and was working as a community listener in a diverse neighborhood had a, a wide range across wealth and race and ethnicity. I was working in a neighborhood about a square half mile wide. It had about 14 churches jammed into this, this spot. And I, I met a, a friend and mentor named Elijah Libet, who started a barbecue shop. Um, and Elijah was the, uh, an African-American man. He was the sort of one uh, that people would call at 2 in the morning to settle a gang dispute. Um, he was present, supporting kids coming after school, um, giving people backpacks and food. Um, and as I was working as a community connector during that year, there was a shooting on the southern part of town, and a 21-year-old man um, was killed. And so Elijah gathered the community to hold a vigil uh, for this shooting. A lot of people came out, and they were standing in front of the barbecue shop, um, remembering the life of this young man. And a car drove by. I was not there. Um, and it drove by again, and it opened fire on the crowd and hit a middle-aged woman. And I heard about this, and I was yeah, struck with grief and shock. This could happen right down the street um, from where I lived. And I went there quickly, and there was a big event going on. Elijah didn't really have time to talk, but he took a moment to tell me, one got through. This is why our work and ministry matters. We don't know how many we've stopped, but one got through, so we're going to keep at it. And I went back home, and the grief was so heavy on me that I did not want to go back there. I couldn't face it. But a few weeks later, when the time felt right, 
I did go back. And it was a bright, sunny day, not unlike this morning, except warmer. And there was Elijah sitting out in front of the barbecue shop on some chairs in the sunshine with three or four friends, and they were just talking. And I sat down next to them, and one of them, Ross, starts giving me some life advice about paying attention to if cars are coming back and forth, watching out for me. Um, and then Elijah starts play acting that day. And he stands up behind the big steel uh, barbecue and talking about when those guns started shooting, started doing the matrix and dodging it. And they were making fun of Pookie for having jumped into the barbecue shop and out the back before anybody knew what was happening. And I was so shocked at, at, with my heaviness to come into that space and see these men dealing with their grief uh, with laughter and staying engaged in it and sustaining each other in fellowship. Um, so I think part of what it means to be Christian is to be able to take up our cross exactly because we believe in resurrection. That we believe we live in a transfigured reality. That doesn't mean it will be easy. Often if we turn towards the suffering of the world and seek to alleviate poverty and suffering and oppression, we too will in all likelihood be rejected by the religious leaders and teachers of the day like Jesus was. I know many often have a time believing that God can overcome the demons of the day precisely yeah, because sometimes even it can feel like the church has a hesitation to face the cross. Right after the transfiguration, Jesus comes down from the mountain and meets a man who is being thrown into convulsions by a demon. And the man had been trying to talk to the disciples and getting them to do it. And so he complains to Jesus, I begged your disciples to drive it out. And they could not. Today, as we look on these issues of injustice in the world, and so many ask the church, why can't you drive it out? And Jesus is frustrated. <laughs> oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you and put up with you? But then he says, bring your son here. And Jesus rebukes the evil spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. Friends, we cannot solve all the problems I listed today alone, uh, and we're not even called to. We're not called to fix the world. But we can take up our cross and be disciples together and turn towards them and bring these issues to the foot of Christ and be present to them. And I think that we too might be amazed by the greatness of God. Amen.